There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. I hate that song so, so much. So much. <laughs> like, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so it's fucking crazy. It's so smarmy. Like, it's so fucking. It's awful. Like, it's the opposite of the other, like, the voice note thing where I was like, that's kind of charming. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. the other one was just like, oh, God. And like, the gling, gling, gling. And there shall be no encore for the 195th time, and I guess more because we've done bonuses here and there. It's episode 195 of the No Encore podcast. I'm at Casa del Dahi. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, okay, I don't think it's terrible. Maybe I do need a name for the place. You should have a name for the place. We'll, we'll come up with that in, in, uh, in time. You're back on the show. I'm back on the show. Yeah, it feels yeah. like you're in, then you're gone, then you're it's in. It's very sporadic. It has been very sporadic, I'm afraid. Yeah. I guess episode 194 technically is the one that came out two days ago. Which is the Death Stranding spoiler cast that we yeah. did. So there yeah. you go. We mainly did that so that we wouldn't talk about it in, <laughs> in this show. But we did it for the benefit of Craig, who then decided to take this episode off because he's <laughs> ill. So, yeah. And to be fair, Craig doesn't take a lot of sick days in life. So we've granted him this week off. He has, he has throat troubles. Busy time of year as well. Which sounds like a really bad punk band from the 70s in Britain. <laughs> uh, get well soon, Craig. Uh, you also won't be here next week. Uh, I won't be here next You're very week. busy. I am. I'm a very busy man. I'm what's coming up in the next, uh, as we hit December, what's what's happening? Uh, well, tomorrow I'm on my way to Other Voices. I'm going to be playing uh, on Sunday. Very, very excited. Two shows. Um, I'm playing in uh, Paul Guinea's Yard, which is kind of like the being the main stage of the music trail uh, at 6.30pm. And then I'm going to be closing out the festival in one of my favourite bars, Nelly Fred's, uh, at midnight, which will be really, really good fun. So I can't wait for the voices it's always just amazing it's always yeah. so good you're there for the whole weekend mostly to have fun yes there for the whole weekend mostly to have fun yeah hot whiskeys 
I was about to say hot whiskey's on the beach, but that doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that would be a thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. It's always it's like such a good time. Um, and then after that, uh, I have a load of different shows. It's um, a whole calendar coming up, isn't it? Yeah, there's loads of stuff coming up now in the next while. Um, let me think now. Well, yeah. while you're looking for that, I will say that we will be doing our end of year spectaculars on No Encore very soon. Uh, we were trying to nail down a date, which is actually kind of hard to do with the three of us. So I think it's going to be towards the end of December pretty much yeah. I think we're going to have like the first episode of it so either the top 20 albums or the top 20 songs will come out on the 19th of December I want to say yeah it's a Friday like I that. think yeah. is it yeah yeah so we're going to split the- no it's the 20th sorry it's the yeah. 20th yeah because Friday the 13th of course is this year. so yeah so we'll split it so we'll have like one, one episode come out on the 20th and then probably like the weekend will go by and then on the Monday or the Tuesday we'll drop the last one and that'll be it for the year perfect yeah so yeah um, do you know your number one I don't actually on oh, no, either ones. I don't know my number one album or my number one. I'm I'm looking forward to actually properly writing out that list because Me too, yeah. I have a feeling I'm going to go over the amount of like immediate first thought ones. You know, it's been a good year. I don't know if it has. I, I think was, it has. I was having this conversation last night with Zara Hederman, mm. and I was saying that I don't think it's been that good. I like what I've liked. It hasn't been a good year for hip hop. I will say that. I just I don't compared to last. I'm year. really curious to see what we end up with as our kind of top fives I think it'll be pretty spread out I think we'll have very different opinions I think we will yeah uh, spoiler alert which will be great that's really good that's what we're looking for I won't even give the spoiler alert but anyone who knows me will probably know <laughs> one of the albums that'll be in my top few uh, so I'm looking forward to those it's, it's always good we're coming to the end of the year uh, on the show and on this episode we have an interview with Maya Sophia whose new album dropped last week I highly encourage you to go check it out it's called Bath Time and we'll have a chat that Craig and I did with her on last Lovely. week's uh, recording but kept it for this week because we had Jake last week which is really good yeah. and thank you for editing that together apart from that yeah what else you got you got like your you got your gig list there dude yeah uh, I'm playing London <laughs> next Thursday uh, I'm going to be in a bar called The Fiddler perfect 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 yeah, absolutely perfect yeah. yeah when Gogi booked it for me I was like are you actually are you taking the piss and he's like no 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 it's actually called The Fiddler can you uh, scratch out the word the I'm putting the word captain captain fiddler yeah uh, no, <laughs> like we're like graffiti. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do a nice little Instagram story at some point. I'm sure. I can't wait. Uh, and then I'm playing in Mother then that weekend, so uh, December seventh. I'm going to be playing in Mother, um, and then after that, then um, Electric in Galway is the next big one, which is the weekend after that, which is the 14th of December. We're going to be bringing the the live band show with Alex and everybody else. It's a late one, isn't it? Uh, it's a late one. Yeah, midnight midnight shows kind of start kind of thing. I'm really looking forward to that. Electric is always really really good um, and this is the first time that we've done a kind of a live band thing there so that's going to be deadly make sure you go to that uh, and then after that I am Waterford on the 27th of December and then Belfast on the 28th of December Jesus man non-stop it's been a hell of a year congratulations yeah well sure like it's going to keep it's like it, now the, the whole thing of like releasing an album is to play as many shows as possible after that so I'm on the the run of the shows now which I really really enjoy so yeah it's been great cool and uh, can we give a scoop for listeners have you Started writing about the next one yet? Is that happening? What's going on? Tell uh, me. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, fucking, I, have... I, I fucking interviewed Sigrid and I asked her about the next album. And man, you've never seen someone shut down so hard. Oh really? Yeah, Clearly yeah. not allowed. Like, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Of like, it's amazing how musicians just clamor up. I'm like. <laughs> 
trying to help you out here, lads. You know, like one of the mistakes that I made with this one was that like I announced the album like a year Way and a half advance, before yeah. it came out. So like I'm not going to say anything now until it's like fucking bang on. It's the Frank Ocean about. of the West. Of exactly. Yeah. That's, that's fair exactly enough. It. I won't push you any further. Bad journalist that I am. So I mentioned Sigrid there. Uh, there was a bunch of gigs on over the last week. There was. So. Hers was one of them. But we'll get to that because we'll go chronologically. You went to see Tandem Felix in the Bella Bar. I did for his uh, his album launch. I suppose you got his album launch. The Dublin leg of his album launch. Yeah, I, I heard it was a packed out show. Absolutely packed out. Sweaty experience. Yeah, so many people. The Bella Bar is really really nice and cozy as it's well. Cool. Yeah. Um, it was a real who's who of the music industry as well. Maya Sophia was there. We were chatting for a while and participant and Saint Sister were around. Royal Yellow. Uh, yeah, Royal Yellow. Uh, Higgs was there. As no well. way. Yeah. My very, very no nice. popcorn co-host. Yeah, he Jesus was. He Christ. was there. I really wanted to go, but I was. I hit that run of like that was like my sixth day in a row of work or something. Yeah. yeah. And I was working on the Friday, knowing I was going to go out on the Friday and possibly the Saturday, and I was just like, I can't do this. I just yeah. can't. So I was like, I'm, I'll it's see really you. Again. Tough this time of year because there's just so much stuff on. As yeah, well. I'll see you again. Um, yeah, and then uh, our our friend of the show, Zara Hederman, was on merch table working as well. the merch table, doing serious, seriously good job. Yeah, and I met the Tapleys as well, the Tapley family. Wow. Because I was very interested to see, like, you know. Where a, such a such a character as David Tapley came from, where such a golden head of hair came from, completely, and they're they're a lovely family. So I'm not surprised. Nice. And the gig itself was particularly good. It was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I saw them in the Kino um, the week before in Cork, um, and that show was absolutely amazing. The Kino is an absolutely gorgeous venue as well. Um, the songs come across so well live, and they they sound different from the album, which which I always really appreciate. Um, and he's a great frontman, as we always knew he was. So um, yeah, was he great. was great on our most recent episode of. No popcorn, which finally came out after some technical difficulties. The Inside Loon Davis episode, if you have yet to hear that, it came out earlier this week. Three episodes in one week, but I talk about fucking spoiling the, I know. Spoiling the listenership. Killing the game. Um, okay, so that was Thursday. On Friday, I went to see Sigrid, having interviewed her. That'll be up on Joe fairly soon. Very nice, as you might expect. Yeah. She's Norwegian pop sensation. Three Arena. So... This was not just her biggest show in Ireland to date, it was her biggest show to date. That's ever. crazy. No, that's right. Yeah. And... It was a little from column A, a little from column B, I really? want to say. Yeah. yeah when, you, when you came out of it, you sent me a text kind of going like, that was a really feel-good gig, that was great. Yeah, it was, and that was a good part of it. But ultimately, I mean, it's like she took an Olympia show and just put it on the three arena stage. Right, yeah. And I'm sorry, if you're a pop star, particularly a, on like a major label, you can't really get away with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a star. There's no question of this. Yeah. Every time a song would finish, the crowd went fucking apeshit. Like, that kind of incredible arena-sized roar wow, yeah. of adulation and screams. Amazing stuff. And there were times when she would stop and, like, let it breathe and yeah, kind of get yeah. all emotional because that's kind of her thing. But it, it is quite natural with her as well. And then there was times when she played, like, Dynamite on the, just the piano and the whole arena was kind of silent for that. And that was really lovely. Um, and there was actually really nice moments during that one. So everyone's doing the, the iPhone torch thing, waving yeah. them in the air. And like in front of me, about three seats down, there was like three very young girls, probably about like six, seven, eight, nine, I don't know. And one of them didn't have a phone. So you saw like the mother pass her phone down the fucking aisle so she had one so she wouldn't be left out. Oh, God. Oh, dude, it was so fucking <laughs> sweet and wholesome and heartbreakingly beautiful. I was like, oh, my God. And then the kid, of course, is waving the phone totally like like faster than everyone else. Oh. And like, doesn't know what, like, and that added to the whole thing. I remember going to the bar. No cues for the bar. <laughs> it was a very, very young gig. Um, like, I went with Nile Nine, who at one stage was like, I feel like I'm at a fucking child on concert. <laughs> it did feel like that. Um, but I remember like going to the bar and like, going by the block entrance and there was a, a dad and his young daughter and he was standing behind her 
was hands on, the shoulder, on her shoulders kind of shielding her. I don't know, like, I don't know if she was too scared to go in or mm. maybe they didn't have tickets. I'm sure they did. But, like, she was watching it through that kind of prism. Wow. And that was also, that's just a beautiful sight. There yeah, was tons yeah. and tons of very young girls there, which is an amazing thing to see at a game. And it's great. And, she, and she's like a role model. Yeah, um, exactly. A brilliant role model. She is, yeah. But well. performance-wise, she was up for it, but the whole thing felt like a support act. It felt like mm. the support slot before the main act come on. So is this part of a kind of a tour that she was doing for a while? Yeah, she's been on tour for, uh, I think this could be the start of a new tour, the start of a new leg or something, yeah. um, but this is easily the biggest show, and I don't know if she plays the same sizes around the world. Ireland just adores her for whatever reason, and yeah. you got to wonder, though, if she's if she's, if she's she's uh, doing the Louis Capaldi, uh, not Roger and Chic thing, because she was just announced to headline Independence. Saw that, yeah. She's always over here, which is kind of like, oh, you might burn out a little bit, and it didn't sell out. It was close to a sellout, but it wasn't a full sellout, and this mm. was like a year in the making, so I don't know. I mean, I was having this conversation with someone, and maybe it's an unfair thing to say, but maybe there's truth in it. It kind of feels like Billy Eilish Stellar Thunder or something. I don't know. Maybe they're not comparable at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get get what you're what you're saying. It's more that like that young kind of female pop sensation thing of like yeah. you know being like marketed in such a way. And but I mean, the thing is, secret they're has, very different. Yeah, it's a very much more of a kind of like a, a North European pop thing, which is mm. kind of like a real. That's a real touchstone. If you it's actually interesting because when, when I spoke to her at one stage, I was talking to her about the songs, and I was saying how like I can't imagine you like with a whiteboard being especially calculated. And she was like, "No, no, I am." <laughs> she was like, "The songs are." She's like, "No, no, no, I, I completely know what I'm doing with regards to writing them in that way." And yeah. she, she didn't mean it in a cynical way, but just she was like, "No, no." She's like, "There's a formula to this, and, and I'm following it, and I love the songs." But yeah, I, I do. I do apply a kind of creative intelligence now to it, so that was yeah. interesting. Um, not to suggest that she was just dashing off songs, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. Pop star kind of admitting yeah. that there's a formula to this. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Something just felt lost. Um, it just felt too big. It didn't feel arena sized. Mm. I don't quite know what it was. I think the production was a huge problem. I mean, like it doesn't compare. I mean, like if you compare it to like the 1975, it's, it would be cruel to do that because yeah, that's yeah. such a huge show. And, and like off the top of my head, if I had to choose between the Olympia or the Arena to see Secret, you'd definitely go Olympia, right? Oh, She's very much, yeah. much more of a kind of Olympia. I saw her in the Academy and I saw her at Picnic, both in the Other Voices Church and also on the main stage Electric Arena. And this one, like, I really want to see what this was like because it was the arena show. Yeah. Like, her, her visuals were horrific, like, cheap, crap animations that you would see on a fucking bank ad. Yeah. Really bad stuff like graphs and kind of like very poor. Like, I'm sorry, but like, yeah. hire a creative director. Who knows the three arena? Yeah, because because that's really where where it's at, isn't it? It was surprisingly like if, you're, if you're doing it three arena, so Pixis had more presence, really, yeah, which is insane from a visual like point this, of view. Yeah, yeah, but she's yeah. more of a star for sure. She is a star. Overall, it's a thumbs up. And like I say, I mean, me kind of criticizing it from a production point of view versus seeing kind of young people out of having an amazing time. That's more important to me, I think. Yeah. That's a more important takeaway. Um, and she's cool. Like she is awesome. She's a star. And like Strangers at the end was a fucking five star. Amazing. What like, a fucking tune. What a song, and it felt huge. I don't think she has the full array of songs just yet, but it's still very early days. So, is it early days? Is the I question. think it is. I mean, like one album, and she's like what twenty fucking five or something. Yeah. There? I mean, like it's early days in, in one respect, but I do wonder if she's cooled a bit. I do wonder if the, that's if, what I wonder. Is yeah, I do mean. wonder if like if something has got lost along the way. And I don't know why that would be or what it is. Maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe she's actually fucking huge. I don't know. There was a strange, strange lack of something, I don't know. And it made me kind of be like, hmm, the antithesis of this gig is happening across town right now, <laughs> which was night one of Girl Band in Victory, right. which you went to. Which I went to, yeah. Tell me absolutely. all about it. It was uh, amazing, as, 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 as expected, you know. Um, absolutely packed. It was one of those gigs um, quite similar to that Wild Beast show that we went to, where it was like, remember we went to that Wild Beast show where it was like the end of 
Wild, Wild Beasts or whatever. One of the best and, like, shows I've ever been to. There was a, like just this like emanating love from the room kind of thing. That's exactly what it felt like on the Friday at Girl Band. It was like just everybody's so so happy to be there and so so happy when they came on stage. Um, an amazing show as usual. Uh, a band who absolutely blow me away every time where like I mean you talk about production values like it's literally just them <laughs> like oh, yeah. standing there no like visuals, sheer nothing. force of performance like like some strobes every so often and a kind of a strong lights in the back and that was it and just on that alone and with the event like the instruments that they had on stage like it's just amazing like it's just like it's unbelievable what they what they get out of the instruments that they have um, and the sheer kind of magnetism of it was amazing uh, both nights felt real kind of um, like kind of a real like you had to be there kind of thing as well yeah I I had tickets for night two and in the end Friday ended up being an incredibly late evening and then by Saturday I was just so drained and I was mm-hmm. like I can't because even going to Sacred on the Friday I was like I shouldn't be doing this I'm, t- I'm so burned out now and so yeah. drained that I just shouldn't do it and then on Saturday I was like I'm not going to go and I didn't go and I don't regret not going because it legitimately it meant that I just stayed in my fucking house for the weekend and stayed warm and finished Death Stranding and That's chilled cool. the fuck out yeah. I, I, like I went dude Girl band were on stage and I was in bed. <laughs> I went for a nap at like half six. I woke, I woke up to a message from someone being like, uh, what time are you coming down here? And I was like, oh fuck, I'm actually not sorry. And it was like, I know I missed something special. I know this because I've heard nothing but raves. Mm. But I couldn't. And also the headspace I was in, I was like, I just, it doesn't, I, I think I would yeah, just and be I think, so... I think girl band of all bands are the type of band that like, you know, like <laughs> I think people should appreciate if you could, if you, if you needed the break more oh, than completely, you. Oh, completely, yeah. No, 100%. Um, and I mean like, I, I hope I get to see them again. They've actually just been announced for All Together Now. Yeah. For next year. As their year. only show in Their in only Irish year. show. I don't know, like, because the wording from All Together Now was their only Irish show. Their wording was our only Irish festival. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, it means anything. Know. Hopefully I'll see them again. They, they're, they're such a force of will. I went to the unofficial after party uh, in, a, in a nearby bar on the Friday to meet my friend, former guest of the show, Dean Ruxton. Oh, yeah. And because he was at the gig and said it was amazing, even though at one stage he was like, they didn't play Lawman. And someone was like, they did, like third. And he was like, how could I possibly have. What? <laughs> like, I went to the bathroom at one stage in, in, in this bar, and like, the following actually happened, by the way. It's weird, but, and it sounds indulgent that I'm telling it, but I, th- I thought it was funny. So I went down to the bathroom, a few drinks in me, and I walk in the door, and there's about three lads kind of crowding around the uh, stall or whatever, and one of them is, is saying, oh, like, what's the word for it? What's the word? Oh, avant-garde yeah avant-garde I think is the word and I was like okay it's probably a big girl band and I, I see like one of the guys wearing a girl band t-shirt so I go and take a piss and then I hear your man be like or someone else is like oh, I just don't know how they get such a big of a sound like for just four of them like, and then, then the front man and I was like yeah it's definitely a big girl band and then as I'm kind of coming back to wash my hands um, one of them goes like oh but lads what about the Fontaines <laughs> and I don't know these lads and I just went they're fucking shite lads <laughs> joking and they went like what <laughs> and I was like, ah, I'm just kidding, lads. Blah, 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 blah. And then the main guy, the avant-garde guy goes, wait, you're you're Dave Haggerty. Dave Hanready. And I went, hey, what's the crack? And like, slapped hands with him. I have no idea how he knows me, whether it's from this show. If it is, how's it going, man? Uh, and if it's not, if it's from Joe, I don't know, cool. I got recognized, man. There Very you go. nice, Quite that's good. Yeah. 
Pretty cool. Just put a pep in my step. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, it, the, as the Fontaines are shit guy, you got you got right. Yeah, I guess that's my reputation. I mean, I don't know. I mean, should we talk about Fontaines? Because I mean, like ultimately, this week they the long list for the Choice Music Prize came out, right? Well, it didn't, correct, it, didn't yeah. it didn't come out though. This is the thing, and it's I've been seen, out for a while. Like it just it's, finished accessi- up? it's, it's, it's it accessible all year round. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, right? I think some people. It was this the deadline? Is that what it was? It's a basically it's the official launch of the Choice. They, okay, the yeah. Choice Prize for next year has been officially. Relaunched, launched, whatever. Yeah, like RT Two FM had like a day of all Irish music and some some press materials and yada yada. But another nine had like you know here long list is out. Boom, 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 boom. Which led to Nyler himself on Twitter kind of having a few battles with people because Nyler was like, just to clarify, this is the long list. Doesn't mean you're nominated for it. And people were like, you know, oh, don't be misery goats. Like, uh, and it's like he wasn't. He was just like, some people are treating this as if they've been nominated for the Choice Prize when they haven't because what what the Choice Prize long list is. Is it's a, a list of albums it's a of, that were released this year. Yeah, of every Irish yeah. album released this year that they are aware of, and you can actually email them with your own and be like, yeah. "Hello, I because released an album for, for this instance, year. the Connor Walsh album was missing from the long list until that week. If oh, you know was it? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, posthumous record, great record, brilliant and record, the Lucid. Yeah, it'd be fucking amazing to see that one in there. Hopefully, it will. I don't think it will. I think this year's going to be an extremely competitive field. Oh, I can't wait. And you yourself are like, you hope you get in. You, you're not sure. I mean, if you I will. do, but I really don't think I will. Now well, I think you deserve to be in there. I'm not saying because I'm your mate, but I have no sway this year, Dahi. I'm not a judge. All about the judges. It's such a waste of being not a known core host for so long and you're not even a judge on it this year. Like <laughs> Myself, Craig, and Colin have all done it, man. It'll come around again, don't worry. So basically, right, here's the thing. Yeah, yeah, he struck out. Here's the thing, right? Um, like my band back in the day were on the long list for the Joyce Prize. Congratulations, man. Cheers, Fair thanks. Play, yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and like, like that, that should be the, the acid test here. If yeah. my band that never made it, were never going to make it, had no idea on what to do and we how to make, make like it. We should make a Choice Prize long list laurel so that you can like put it on your album that the stuff is like. Well, I've heard that people, I've seen this, I've, seen, I've gotten emails before from people where it says like Choice nominated in the year of whatever. And I'm like, no, you weren't. And then I'm like, oh, they must have been on the long list. I'm like, don't get me wrong. I've seen the argument and people are saying like, oh, don't take it away from a musician who's happy today that they're on the long list. Because there are musicians who don't see their work anywhere and then see the long list and think, great, cool. No one's there to fucking throw cold water on that. It's just important clarification. (laughs) The shortlist will be announced on the 8th of January and 10 albums will be on that shortlist. If you're not on that shortlist, you're just on a fucking database. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're on an Excel spreadsheet. So I just want to get that out of the way. Um, as regards that, yeah, a choice is coming up. Um, who will win? I don't know. We'll talk about it in January. or well, Actually, we won't. Um, because, <laughs> fuck it, I might as well. I, I wasn't necessarily going to say it now. But I'll say it now before we get into the show proper, to the news rather. Uh, no encore is taking a break. Uh, I'm taking January off. The show is taking January off. And for a variety of reasons, one of which, as I've pretty much said out loud, is that I'm, I'm very burned out. We've been doing the show for three and a half years straight, which is kind of fucking insane when you think about Crazy. it. Crazy. Um, I'm very, very grateful to everyone who listens to the show. Um, I have regular correspondence with people who are friends and people who aren't friends and whatever, and that's great, and, and, and that's a cool thing, but um, it's kind of crept up me in the last couple of months that I've I've been feeling quite burned out. Not, I'm not blaming the show or anything. No, it's, it's just, just so much work, though. Life, that's the, thing, the, the show is a ton of work, I know, and like that's, listen, I'm incredibly privileged to be even having this conversation with you at this table, or to be in the heads of the studio every week, or whatever. Like, it's, it's not lost on me that doing this at all, and anyone listening to the shit I have to say... Mm. Is a fucking privilege, not a right. And I don't mean to be like this kind of like, oh my God, the burden. But it's a lot of work doing a show like this, um, from compiling it to physically doing it and all that kind of stuff. 
and keeping up with music and engaging with music on a critical level every single week all the time it's just a lot and um, yeah I've had a bit of a I've had a, I've had a really fucking tough November and push came to shove and I've decided to just put the show on the back burner for a little bit so we're going to look at the show myself and Craig will chat um, you're effectively exiting <laughs> I'm not really sure yet but uh, <laughs> like we don't know all, all I know is that if I had to listen to one more uh, Taylor Swift album for a week and listen to it six or seven times in a row I'm just yeah. like I'm like while well, I should be doing something more important and with that in mind we're reviewing the Coldplay album this episode so uh, Oh, I, I, I feel your pain. But in January, we're, we're going to do something a little bit different instead, so we're not going to leave people kind of hanging for the month, right? No, yeah, we'll, we'll put out like best of 2018 kind of stuff, like interviews and whatever, yeah. and no popcorn. We have still, a huge a d- database of like really, really amazing interviews that were in each of the shows. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's one thing I will say, and I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll repeat this again on the end of your episodes, but... This year alone, and like in the three and a half years that we've done it, like I'm grateful to every single person who's guested, from guest co-hosts to people that we've interviewed professionally or whatever the fuck. But this year alone, the interviews that we have done on the show this year are mind-boggling. Incredible, to me. Like, yeah. incredible names, incredible people. Jeremy of Kennedy, every health, level, like Orly Gartland, Orly Gart- Jape, yeah. Slipknot. I mean, I'm, I'm I don't have the list of names in front of me, but it just feels like every single week or every single second week we had an amazing person to talk to. And I say that not to big us up, but to big them up because yeah. everyone, I feel like everyone that we spoke to this year had something to say yeah because that's the thing is that they're not just interviews that are people are actually saying interesting shit and it's actually like they're good interviews like you know they're what conversations mean? Which, yeah. which is what I, I love a really good time it's what I love great. the most like it's what I love the most in what I do whether it's for this or whether it's for writing or for whatever it's the thing I love doing the most is talking to people and having genuine conversations with them. I've got some really nice feedback on the Jape interview from people saying that it was lovely and it felt very natural and it was rich and it was warm. And I'm like, that's that, that's rich, me. Is rich, 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 I think is the great takeaway from this one. Yeah, and I'm straying into ego territory here, but what, but honestly, like legitimately, um, that's been the highlight of the show for me this year, as well as obviously kind of hanging out with my mates and talking crap. And it, it boggles my mind that anybody listens to this thing, which I shouldn't be saying because you shouldn't be self-deprecating to that point. But ultimately, that's the truth. And the truth is, you probably heard it in my voice. I need a fucking break, and that's what's happening. And it's all good. Yeah. It's all healthy. It's all good. It's it's for the good of every single thing imaginable, and that's coming in January uh, or not coming in January. <laughs> As the case may be. Um, but yeah, to go back into the news, um, a story that is familiar because it literally happened last year and has happened again in the exact same people so are involved. Dumb. The Transmit Festival in Scotland uh, has announced its lineup, and it's a horror show of a lineup even before you get to the obvious problem. So, like, the Courtiners are a headliner <laughs> on one of the days. Backed up by Ian Brown. And you got like your Lewis Capaldi's, your Snow Patrols, your Liam Gallagher's. Um, you've got two women on this first 13 names. Rita Ora. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The only female artist no, that we the, know. There's two. There's no, a, I know, but like the only, like Rita Ora and Little Sims are the only two female artists who, who exist. Well, this thing is that Jeff Ellis is the head of this festival. And this exact same thing happened last year when he revealed lineup for it as well. Uh, Sigrid was actually on the lineup last year. And I yeah. think she was the only female, or sorry, no, only woman of note, not female, because it's 
it's a fucking yeah, yeah. whole can of worms. I don't mean to open there like that. Um, but basically, it's because I have this quote in front of me. I'm going to use that as dodge. Jeff Ellis, speaking to the BBC, said, We'd love there to be a higher representation of females, but there isn't. Certainly on the acts we're announcing today. We need to get more females picking up guitars, forming bands, playing in bands. So naturally enough, that led to a huge storm of criticism on the internet. Everyone from a uh, friend of the show, Sarah Corcoran of Pillow Queens, who I was chatting to on this yesterday, to it's, it's Nina Nesbitt, to uh, Matt Healy from 975 saying, I hope women do pick up guitars to hit this guy in the face with them. Um, lots of uh, journalists, like Laura Snape, yeah, various, various like, others being like, this is fucking insane, because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it, what, what he's really saying there is that he doesn't think there's any females good enough to be headlining the festival. That's what, he, that's what he's really saying, are that like, who are not good enough or are not enough of a ticket draw. And that's complete bullshit, because a perfect example this year of somebody who did it correctly was Primavera, who did... Um, 50-50 split yeah. and by all accounts was one of the most successful Primavera um, festivals they've ever had Glastonbury like, are, are moving towards that direction as well or so they say now here's the thing right I've said this before on the show and you know I'm not going to like suddenly just change my tune for the sake of it but like or to appear progressive I do struggle with the idea of quotas when it comes to gender in some respects I mean the show for example mm-hmm. I've had people give out to me before being like you need to have a woman and I'm like well it shouldn't be a woman it should be a woman who is yeah and, and that's what we have stri- strived to do um, and would work you know as opposed to just that and again that's because we're an independent fucking music podcast it's not like we're like the national broadcaster and that's a different situation yeah yeah. and with a festival it's a a situation where I think gender parity absolutely should be a thing because it's a fucking festival it's a three day festival you're selling tickets to the general public you're trying to have a widespread representation of music and the people involved in the industry and thus in that situation, I think it's it's, yeah. it's legitimately unacceptable because to not yeah, strive for because that. that's not quotas for quotas' sake. No, it's not. It's because not, it's, it's not a participation. Off the top of your head, you can name fifty yeah. like female artists, who would be perfect because, for but especially because this is like a pop indie festival. Yeah, and the lineup is shit. Like it would be <laughs> the, the whole festival would be better if it had better female like female acts. Now, granted, like, now granted, I mean like. I've never booked a festival. I'm sure it's very difficult. Uh, and I'm this sure is what I was, and schedules I was and looking through. I was trying I'm to see. I'm not giving this guy an out. He's, uh, exactly, he's yeah. an idiot. Because I, I was trying to figure out if he's like if he's because I was looking at that date in England to see if there was like some sort of massive clashing festival and it's not really like Lovebox is on in London like at, on that same date but then there's not really anything major other than that on yeah. around the same time no, if and he like, legitimately wanted to have a representation then he would go out and do that but instead yeah. he's just picking the names that will sell tickets that are most easily accessible and mainstream focus friendly etc but like it's a poor show especially when you've been criticised from it in the past and I think yeah festivals have a certain responsibility I think because the call for it is so widespread. The, the, yeah. the conversation around it is so unenthused and disappointed and outright angry when it comes to this kind of thing happening year on year. It's no longer what it used to be. People are are uh, fighting very eloquently and correctly about this kind of thing. And it extends to, obviously, non-binary performers and, exactly. and, and everything else. But ultimately, it's not really addressed. And, like, it's, I don't know, I mean, like it, it's happening more and more. It happened with, like, Longitude. It happened with fucking Picnic. It, it, this mm-hmm. one's particularly bad. Um, who knows? Maybe the next 50 accidents will be 50-50. I don't think that they will. Like, I, I really hate the way he says, like, oh, we need to get more females picking. Because, See, like, that's bullshit. All he need, because, like, one of the perfect ways to do that is to put somebody on the headliner to inspire somebody else to move up. That's how you do that. Yeah. Instead of just kind of this, like, placating people to just say stuff for any reason. But also, like, Stupid. the notion of, like, there aren't enough women playing music out there. Like, like what's his, how is he quantifying? Where that? is he coming from? What is the, like, what, what, what are you referring to there? It's, it's such an ignorant comment that makes no sense. There's no actual basis for it. There was probably no basis for it when you couldn't 
have visible data in like say like the 40s and the 50s yeah. there's probably no there's probably no basis for it then there's certainly no basis for it now and a lot of these like, festivals get their bookings from these like showcase stuff like kind of um, uh, you know the equivalent of Irish Music Week here you know mm. you'll go to like um, uh, I can't remember what the one in England is called but there's like you know like South by Southwest is a perfect example and they're like you know you can be fucking guaranteed that there's plenty of really amazing female, female and women acts like like playing in Set by Set West like it's not like you're stuck for by like not being able to find them because they're not in your Spotify playlist like there is literal professional people here to like like suggest acts for you it just makes absolutely no sense I think another problem top as well is instances like this one effectively are reductive because it, it, it literally reduces women to other yeah and, yeah. and different quote That's unquote true. and it sets it back further. Uh, someone in his position should be a bit more mindful of that kind of thing. Again, I know you can't have an ideal situation all the time in some respects, but as you say, Primavera has worked hard on that. I'm sure, to, it's, to a, I'm sure, it's a, I'm, I'm sure being a booker like, is a know? huge stress. I, I'm sure it is, but ultimately, it doesn't really fall anymore, and it's it's going to be a thing. And like, I'm, but I'm but I'm also I'm waiting for next year for this exact same guy and this exact same story and the Cortinas. Top of the bill, <laughs> alongside fucking top loader or something like. Yeah, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be looking at this festival as the fucking lead. Well, no, I mean, like, 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 like this one is interesting because I, I even saw as well during the week. There's like that one's coming back now. Sunstroke Festival. It was announced this week for Ireland for Punchestown, and it's like there was a Sunstroke Festival 25 years ago in Ireland, and I think they Fate, always do that. They do the listing around a festival. Fate well. more and like Sonic Youth played that. So basically, but what it's significant because. From what I can see, this is the first time since OzFest 2002, which I attended, <laughs> which was a one-dayer in Punchestown. I think this is the first time, because it's an MCD event, that we have a proper festival for alter- quote-unquote alternative music. And the lineup is like Fate No More, Deftones, Jesus and Mary Chain, Gojira, and a few others so far. It's mm. very like, you know, rock, metal, a bit of punk in there as well, with Bowling for Soup, I think, are on it. Uh, there's some Irish acts on there. There's The Scratch, there's Bitch Falcon, Volpines, and a few others. Um... However, even that one has had people be like, a lot of men there. And in that one, I mean, like, I will be honest, my gut with that one is, it's a rock and metal festival. I mean, I'm, like, they're kind of all like that. I'm not for any... I'm, Especially if it's a nostalgic I know I, 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 know I kind of right? sound like your man now, and I don't mean to, but I just think with that one, it's almost like, ugh, it's a bit fucking niche. I don't know. These conversations are coming up all the time, and they're very black and white. And I don't know how black and white, in some respects, you can be. And even yeah. now, I know I probably sound like a fucking prick, and I don't mean to be. I just find the whole thing very kind of complicated. I mean, all I know is that like, the right place. I swear. Like when I was keep when I was when I was looking at Primavera this year, like the massive takeaways and the biggest like winners out of that festival were like Sophie, Charlie XCX, and they were like because it became such a thing it made them like headliners and like I mean they know how to headline there's these amazing female acts who like oh man it's, it's madness anyway yeah so anyway one individual who again puts the likes of, for every festival <laughs> I would imagine commands a major fee <laughs> and it, it, it is without question headliner because we saw her do it at Electric Picnic this year even though she was like what third from the top on day one yeah that's true right. the biggest crowd I am of course talking about Billie Eilish why are we talking Billie Eilish doggy. Billie Eilish has done her Vanity Fair interview for the year once again. Okay, well, why is that significant? Um, well, basically, she did um, an interview uh, 
two years ago with Vanity Fair when she was just starting out. I think she was like 16. 16. 16. Um, And basically kind of answered a very kind of pretty simple questions. It was a fairly run-of-the-mill interview. They often yield the best answers. Yeah. And then... Says the man who takes 10 minutes to ask a question. (laughs) But then uh, the second year then, the real genius of it was that Vanity Fair went back and did the same interview with the same questions um, uh, to Billie Eilish again. And what came of that was this incredible interview of somebody who had like literally rocketed into fame at a very very young age and you got to see just a very simple very clear representation of how hard it is to be a um, massive pop star at such such a young age it was an absolutely incredible video um like stronger than the sum of its parts i think is yeah it's a side by side comparison i remember you highlighting it to me yeah and i remember like writing a quick story on it for joe and it's funny because like if you go back and look at the story I wrote for Joe, my headline was, even if you don't know who Billie Eilish is, you should watch That's this amazing. interview. <laughs> and now it's like, it's impossible not to know who yeah, she yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also, oh, I think you'll enjoy this. I also saw like, uh, I put up a thing there about a week ago on the Facebook page on Joe when I was working and it was a photograph of Billie Eilish at Electric Picnic. And I wrote, what's the best gig you've been to this year? You know, just to get engagement from people. Yeah. Fire out your best gigs. And one guy wrote, stop trying to make Billie Eilish happen, Joe. <laughs> it was like, okay, damn, that underground project so so that I really thought might take off. What are you fucking talking about? Like, people, man, Jesus Christ. So yeah, so she's done the interview again, uh, now on the cusp of turning 18. She turns 18 in mid-December, I believe. Yeah. And who knows if she'll sit down with them in another year. But uh, it's a good interview. Let's have a little taste from it, though. This is one of the parts that stood out to me the most. I might be safe if I go to Trader Joe's. Nope, not safe. I tried it. I went to Trader Joe's, did not work. Nope, did not work. Tried it. I also tried Costco, which I thought I'd be safe at, and that didn't work. Fuck's sake. The reason it was like affecting me so much last year was because all I wanted to do was go out. I don't even think about going out anymore. I like this life that I have. I like being famous. It's very weird, but it's very cool. Um, and I can, I feel like I can say that now because I used to hate it. I hated doing press and I hated being recognized and I hated um, kind of everything that had to do with it. There's a lot in fame that's fucking gross and horrible and just miserable, but I'm very grateful for it, and it's really rare, and it's really, I, I'm very lucky, so I'm so done with complaining about it. I complained about it for so long. So there you go. That, 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 the very, very first voice you heard there was Billie Eilish a year ago saying that, you know, this is, here's one place I can go to, and then she's like, no, fuck no. Uh, it's just that thing, isn't it? Like, because I remember you talking about the first one of this a year ago and being like, oh my God, like, she's already ruined by this industry she's already broken yeah fuck and this i thought had moments of that again while she also tempers it like she kind of goes i back think she comes stuff. across as much more confident now though oh 100 percent. like really it's it's a real kind of happy ending kind of thing as it well like, is but it's also like this person's life will never be normal that, that's completely true ever yeah and it reminded me of like those documentaries you see where like britney spears gets out of a car mm. and they have to have like fucking yeah. cordoned off sheets and there's nothing but a million flashes as she yeah, goes yeah. into a shop and the shop has to be closed for two hours and again listen we're talking about celebrities who have a lot of money and a lot of power and fame and all that kind of stuff 
and we're normal fucking human beings, but everyone has problems. Yeah, and, and the idea that you couldn't have privacy. Yeah, I mean the is major, the insane. major, the major takeaway from this interview and what she does say as well towards the end is that it's just like I just wish people knew that it's it's not easy and it's like really really difficult and it's very hard. That work. bit where she talks about how she was doing a gig and like Fuck, a yeah. fan grabbed onto her arm and the security had to re- re- wrench them away, yeah, while she was singing and it took like a full minute and her ring was stolen and she fell and then she fell back into the crowd and a girl like put her hand around her fucking neck. throat yeah, 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 yeah. and she's like listen they just, it's love but they just they get it wrong yeah, sometimes yeah it's like this manic excitement energy thing that's like that's the physical manifestation of like the stand thing yeah just like Jesus and like I really hate that insidiousness that, that belief of ownership and entitlement that people have with pop stars and I mean, you can see it's you can crazy see, you can see parallels with the way um, FK Twigs talks about um, you know her relationship with Robert Pattinson in, in um, Cellophane as well it's like this weird like you are you are a piece of thing for the public or whatever yeah. but like th- this interview like is is great and like I was saying to you the other day and it was just like just I'd love like a movie of this like one, like almost like a Diary of Adrian Mole kind of thing where it's just like every year you do an interview with Billie Eilish and you go one, two, three, four, five because each of the sections she comes across as a very different person and she she seems to have learned so much and I had this weird experience when I was watching it where when I watched the first the first split one um, so say the one last year it was kind of like okay well this is a person who's very immature and somebody who's learned a lot in the second one but then when I was watching this one this week it was kind of like oh this is two people who are very immature and like don't realize stuff and now she's come forward another year just really interesting and like you know it's obviously accentuated with the fact that like she's young so you know as a teenager you change so fucking much over like those short periods of time yeah at the same time though I mean like you know you know I remember being 17 and thinking that I fucking knew everything but also I think you know teenagers whatever, 15, 16, 17, are a lot more intelligent in some respects. Mm-hmm. They don't have life experience, for sure. That, that, that can't be bought. Yeah. You can only have it by having life experience. That's just mm-hmm. the truth of fucking life. But at the same time, you know, teenagers shouldn't be condescended to or, pa- or patronized. No, absolutely. They have a lot more to say than, than you know, people often ahead, ahead of them in life give them credit for and give them space to listen to. So I, I love that Billie Eilish has that I'm not surprised at all that, that she is as articulate as she is mm-hmm. um, and I love listening to her and I especially love her looking back on her a year prior and kind of like shaking her head a bit and being like yeah. oh my god she was like I was so, I'm so annoying yeah. uh, or being like yeah that actually not a hell yeah that, like nailed that one that's true and that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff yeah. she it was is, like at one point she's like oh that girl's articulate like more articulate than I am now <laughs> yeah no um, she's cool I mean like hopefully someday I get to chat to her that'd be cool yeah. Um, but yeah I'm very excited to see where she goes from here and I just yeah ho- like, it'd be amazing if like it could be like a footballer's career where like she gets to 40 and can just like cool I'm done now I can just go now <laughs> and I can just have a normal life but she probably can't but who the fuck knows there'll be another Billy Eilish in 20 years time anyway so yeah. what are you gonna do who knows um, two men who I wouldn't know if I saw in the supermarket Dahi, <laughs> are the chain smokers dance music sensations but they are huge right absolutely absolutely like one of the biggest acts in America how did this at happen this stage. I know it's so snuck up I it's can't like a real, it at all it's a real product of the point where where like kind of electronic uh, dance music and pop music kind of fell into each other in um, America and led to the rise of people like the Chainsmokers. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know, there's like a lot of kind of like emotional piano in their music and stuff and that kind of like obviously appeals to a wide range of people if you add it in with these like tropical beats and stuff like that. So, but like the, it's, rubbish music it's like <laughs> so rubbish well, it's terrible the Grammy award winning pair whose names are Alex Paul and Drew Taggart I would never have known that 
are going to executive produce a new television drama which will follow an aspiring songwriter as she tries to make her way in the music business. The show will be called Demo, and it comes from their Kick the Habit Productions, (laughs) and uh, we don't know too much about it. 20-something musician dares to leave behind her struggling indie rock band and working class family. Oh, great. Classism as well, great. Uh, To take a shot at writing pop songs in L.A. Though at first she's eager to shed her past, she soon discovers that the best songs tell the deepest truths. If only she can find the strength to tell her is cancelled after one season <laughs> that's my prediction it's so funny. even when I was reading that I was like I could picture it in my head and it really reminds me of um, I don't remember you remember the film Pitch Perfect remember Pitch yeah, Perfect yeah there's been like three of them I think yeah the first one of the Pitch, per- Pitch Perfect films is really funny because at the start of the movie the lead character is supposed to be like the hipster of like like who's coming to this college and like he's like way too cool for like the, the choir or whatever uh, and uh, the way they present her as being cool is she does EDM mashups of different pop songs. <laughs> so like, nothing cooler. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. So she like her like weird underground music is EDM basically. And like at one point, uh, she's listening to like Titanium by David Goetta, and somebody's like, "Oh, hey, that's, that's David Goetta." And she's like, "You know David Goetta?" <laughs> and that's exactly how I picture this. It's just going to be like the most banal like level thing. <laughs> like, it's fucking horrendous. I that. think they're clearly hoping for like a Nashville remember that show Nashville yeah Nashville yeah that ran did that get cancelled I eventually but I think it ran for like a bunch of seasons yeah somebody was talking about it's kind of one of those shows where like there are so many shows where like unless you're into it you might never know of it, but like, yeah. But you see, the thing is, like, I mean, this this show has been developed at Freeform. Nashville which is ran for six seasons. But sorry, six go on. Seasons. Six seasons. Twenty twelve to twenty eighteen. I have so much to catch up. That's my winter sorter. Uh, One hundred and twenty four episodes. <laughs> uh, but this this program's been made at Freeform, who do like Pretty Little Liars, and they have like thousands of programs who. I would describe as, as not being for us, basically. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, this is not for us, but uh, <laughs> I will be intrigued to see what happens with it, but it sounds horrific, so yeah. what can you do? Speaking of awful things coming to a, a screen near you, the Michael Jackson estate is banking on the belief that the late pop superstar has emerged relatively unscathed from this year's renewed focus <sighs> on allegations of serial pedophilia <laughs> via the Leaving Neverland documentary. You saw that, didn't you? I fucking did. You did like a radio that. review. Yeah, didn't I had to do you? it, yeah. I had to do an RT arena. Never asked back. How odd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, so we're getting a Michael Jackson movie, um, and it's it's going to be like a jukebox musical, so it's going to have all the tunes in it, like Rocketman style. And this is this is where we've gone now, because, you know, Star is Born, Great Showman, Bohemian Rhapsody obviously being the big one, yeah. in terms of, like, you know, critical and commercial success. We're getting a Bee Gees movie. Uh, so, the, so Graham King, who worked on Bohemian Rhapsody, is, is, is also heading up the Bee Gees movie. And okay. Steven Spielberg has like a production credit on it as well after a weird kind of snafu thing where he didn't for a second despite yeah. the project gestating at his studio for years. Hollywood politics. And now Michael Jackson is happening. His estate has sold the rights for his life story. And uh, it's coming. Will you? So the, re- the real question here is if they sell the rights before or after the thing came out. Because mm. like if they sold it before... Can you just imagine how much it would have been? So you reckon they sold it before and they've just been waiting for it to blow over? Well, I would say that they sold it before and like somebody's spent so uh, such an insane amount of money on it because you can just imagine like the rights to a biopic about Michael Jackson is like at one point, say two or three years ago, was probably the most valuable thing in the world. At that point, like you know, it's really hard to know. Uh, absolutely stupid um, and. 
uh, like you know because they go through this as well and they kind of go like uh, you know the movie isn't intended to be like a sanitized rendering of Jackson's life uh, the complexity of Jackson's life is well known and will not be ignored in a film that will span his entire life and that's bullshit like, that's so not true like, especially when like every now and then you're going to have like a needle drop for like Billie Jean like, I mean like really <laughs> totally this thing can be a fucking mess which again is sign me up <laughs> It's going to be horrendous. Of course it's going to be horrendous. Oh, but it will also make a shit ton of money. And it might, will, yeah. It, it will. might buy Rami Malek another Oscar. And they, you know what? Like, he's I mean, not been cast if by they, the way. If, they do, if this film could be like the thing that like like smooths over everything after that documentary. You know, people forget so fucking easily. I mean, it's been proven before with Michael Jackson. They forget and they're also in denial. Again, from working for Joe and like seeing a window into the Irish public, a window that I don't particularly wish to have open in my life. <laughs> um, you know, you say anything about Michael Jackson potentially being bad and people just lose their fucking mind yeah. I think it's a culpability thing because he was like the guy yeah he was like the guy he was the icon of a generation absolutely yeah and I huge could, in Ireland as well in massive yeah. I, I couldn't possibly be wrong for supporting that man instead yeah. he must have been completely innocent and finally in slightly more wholesome news an Australian woman says that she will fight US rapper Jay-Z's copyright lawsuit because she thinks she should be able to use his name and lyrics to sell children's books <laughs> there you go <laughs> A lady by the name of Jessica Sheeha, her business, The Little Homie, are being Jesus. sued in the federal court by the U.S. billionaire, whose legal name, of course, is Sean Carter. He's accused them of knowingly infringing on his trademarks. Uh, a statement uh, will indicate that she's going to fight this one. We are unbelievably disappointed to find ourselves caught in a legal battle with someone whose music that we love and adore. Uh, she said... That shocked. She's shocked. She that said <laughs> that The Little Homie was created so parents could connect with their children through something that they love during the transition to parenthood, and her love of hip-hop and the artists that I grew up listening to. The online retailer raised eight grand on Kickstarter to publish the AB to Jay-Z picture book. AB to Jay-Z. Which refers to well-known rappers to teach the alphabet and has since expanded into include a coloring book and clothing. So I I went on the little homie website. Did you? Fucking Egypt. She She actually has way more books than that, including... First 50 words with 50 cent. Oh, God. And ABC slash DC. No. (laughs) (laughs) And then she also, she's selling a load of t-shirts that say, like, I woke up like this, and uh, a really weird, like, baby t-shirt that says, I love it when you call me Big Papa. So... (laughs) This, this dream to unite the world in harmony is actually more of a, a money-making exercise. It's a money-making exercise. Yeah. Exactly. Like, in the back of this book in particular, um, it said, if you're having alphabet problems, I feel bad for you, son. <laughs> I got 99 problems, but my ABCs ain't one. Scrolls off the tongue. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not good. Uh, I can't see how she wins this case. No, not, like common sense is dictate that you can't use somebody's name and brand to sell a product. Like, Well, we're going to find out what happens. <laughs> But we're also going to jump into our album of the week now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Let's get it done, man. Let's do it. All right. It's Coldplay. It's Everyday Life. And this song is actually called Daddy. <laughs> Daddy, it's my birthday. All I want to see is your soul. Oh 
So yes, Coldplay are back and they just want to unite the world. I This is an album based on peace and love and harmony and how we're all really the same. Now, before we get into the record, you flagged an interview with me that Chris Martin did. <laughs> with the BBC. With the BBC, with an entertainment correspondent named Colin Patterson. The lads sat down in Jordan for yeah, a chat. on a rooftop in Jordan. Which was significant and we'll, we'll take a quick listen to that one. Well, Chris Martin, here we are. Hello. Hi, in the Amman Citadel yeah. in Jordan. Why have you taken us here? Um, well, we wanted to basically pick somewhere in the, what we consider the middle of the world and in, in the middle of the biggest area where we normally don't get to play. And bands like us don't come here very often. And also, it's just so beautiful and makes me fizzle with excitement. The album has a real world sound to it. You sing about the Middle East, you sing about Africa. Why this global perspective? Right now there's so much um, prevalence of people saying we're us and they're them and they're different to you and they come from there. And I think if you've had the privilege of traveling around the world a lot, you know that ultimately we're all from the same place. And so I think in a very gentle British way, this whole record is us talking about the fact that we don't really feel that we're different to any other human on earth, no matter where they come from or, or what they look like. Sounding quite hippie there, aren't they? I'm hippie and I know it. Clap my hands. <laughs> we're taking time. So there you go, that's Chris Martin for you. <laughs> you seem kind of shocked that this is his personality. Like, I'm not. Like, it's, it's exactly... And, and Okay, so like... Odd man. Odd man. And also, so I... I, I am not a fan of Coldplay, right? You, you reckon they have some really, really good music and I stuff think they like have that. some excellent songs, but they yeah. also have a lot of bad songs. I think they have a couple of good songs. Uh, I think... I was trying to figure it out this week because I would never really listen to Coldplay at all. And I was like, I was like mm-hmm. why, why don't I? Like, sometimes the production is actually quite good and they're quite broad in how they write and they, they write a good pop tune. And to be honest... Uh, and this might be a bit insulting, but I, I think it's his voice that like genuinely like it just grates on me. It feels like it's completely devoid of emotion most of the time, and that it's, it has no character at all to it. And that's that's my major issue with Coldplay. And when you put that over the top of any type of music at all, it just makes it just way too banal. I think you know. Well, they're the most earnest band in the entire world. I mean, they've managed to like almost surpass you two I think and maybe they have I mean in terms of just like bullshit effectively and I yeah. mean but you like, two have more attitude than Coldplay though yeah I think well Coldplay would never I don't think proclaim to have attitude Coldplay would never <laughs> your Coldplay would never Coldplay to me are, are, are the good go to and I mean in terms of saying like you know if you're like well look you're never you're never going to please everybody in the world look at Coldplay like, yeah, yeah they're yeah. a massive band they're fucking huge huge yeah. and yet Average bloke on the street probably hates them, but then look at how well they do. I don't, like like this is an easy target for people who like like they're very easy to knock. And this is not me saying like oh I'm mounting a huge defense. Yeah, I like the first album quite a bit. I'm not mad on Rush or Rush Blood to the Head. Is that what it's called? Which Rush the second album, to the everyone head, yeah. seems to love. I'm that's not, the that's the the big one that people. The big one. It's got yeah. the scientists on it. I'm not crazy about that one. Um, I like Mila's a lot because it was like this really stupidly technical or pop thing and I think they're really good at doing that. But I would agree that there's a lack of substance there. I think every now and then they, they, they have an incredible song or moment and apparently live they're fucking amazing. I've never seen them live but apparently it's an amazing show. And yeah, I, and I want to talk about production. Then. And I would like to go. But I can totally understand why they're whipping boys in a lot of respects. They're not cool. Mm-hmm. They are not cool at all and he's weird and they're, you know, milk <laughs> toast. so strange. And Looking at some of the interviews this week, he's really... He's 
is a strange Yeah, dude. he's an odd chap. Uh, and they're like a very beige band. They're very like fucking, you know, uh, dinner movie, Coldplay gig, and missionary sex. Like, I mean, like, like <laughs> that's the ultimate night out, you know, for a lot of people. And maybe that's a good night out. I don't know. I mean, so here's the thing, right? Uh, <laughs> like, I find them unbearable. And I also find them <laughs> quite charming in that way. In yeah. that Danny from the script way. Hermesel Dibble was like... But the, yeah, kind of. And like, who gives a shit? And like, it's funny because I think even like... When I talk to Blind Boy from the Rubber Bandits, who I've interviewed for Joe, should be out this weekend, go read it. And he was like, some people like Coldplay. You know, like, like the fact that that was the band that he thought of. Yeah, yeah, To yeah. me, I was like, of, yeah, of course he thought of Coldplay because they're the go-to band. All of which is to say that this record is a complete fucking mess. And I found it a chore to listen to, and I don't think I'll be going back to it. However, <laughs> there's a lot on it that I like. Yeah. What's going on, Coldplay? Why do you why do you drive me so crazy? Their last album was absolute garbage, <laughs> and I remember writing like a fucking four out of ten review for Drowning Sound, mate. Rest in peace, and being like, I don't even know the Coldplay album ever. Please go away. With this one, they're just they're trying to do way too much but I've always I always say I can't fault ambition and this album is so fucking like let's give the world a hug yeah so like that, and that's the overriding theme right but there are moments where I'm like that's fucking amazing and yeah. there's moments when I'm like that is horrendous I'm almost on the exact same wavelength as you are it's a double album one. as well which doesn't help Dol- fuck the double album sunrise and sunset <laughs> fucking Chris Martin has like I guess stumbled upon melancholy and the infinite sadness by Splashing Pumpkins or something yeah. because like come on man like, so, so like the, the, the and that's one of the major problems in it is so like the, ma- the main theme is obviously kind of like trying to connect people right and trying to say death strength <laughs> and it's like you know maybe we're not all so different and like you know like we always seem to talk about the other and like there's other people or whatever and that and, and then they they try and deliver that theme by um uh, essentially from by installing like different styles of music so like different music from all over the world different languages kind of samples from people from all over the world um and like on paper, that's all fine. Like, you know, you kind of like, you can get like kind of gospel choirs and stuff that come across really well. There's like real nice samba beats in certain parts. There's some really nice jazzy piano in Not different places. Not to cut you off, but the one thing I would say on that element is, I think he did that better than Kanye did it from a recording point of view. Yes, absolutely. Like, legitimately, sounds yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, it sounds better. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, now, in terms of uh, melody and stuff, I don't think it's on, on the same level at all. But like, my, my main problem with this is, is that like, that theme then is like shoved in your face with the lyrics like it's so extremely like literal That's play, baby. It's, it's insane <laughs> like I couldn't believe it so like Arabesque which is probably one of the best songs in terms of production and stuff I, I will say that like it, that one really grew me with its kind of marching band melody yeah and it's, the, it's the build of, up towards the end is it's gorgeous. kind of irresistible like, yeah but like the lyrics on that is like I could be you you could be me two raindrops in the same sea you could be me I could be you two angles of the same view Right, tearing up over here, mate. Yeah, exactly. Right, it's like fucking. It's like, oh my god, that's so deep, or whatever. And then, and then, like, I was, I was like, that's horrendous. <laughs> I was like, that's so annoying that he would like, just. It's almost like insulting to the listener, like you know what I mean? Because he's like, it's just like, oh, you're too thick to like know what I'm talking about unless I say exactly that thing. And then he fucking starts singing this song called Guns, one which, of the worst songs that they have ever recorded ever. It is so fucking bad. Like everything about it, from the bear production to his. 
pain stripping vocal. Yeah, and so the lyrics are just, hey, like, guns are bad, man. Hey, guns are bad. Like, everyone's going fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I never want to hear that song ever again. And on re listens to this, and I skipped it every time. And he's contributing nothing to it. Like, it's literally, and, and like, almost goes at odds with the theme that he's talking about because he's just like, he's like, oh, these people who are like talking about gun control and stuff are like not gun control or whatever. It's just like, everyone's fucking crazy. And it's just like, that's completely <laughs> against the point of what the fucking album was supposed to achieve, isn't it? Like, I think it's meant to be like a fever dream kind of moment or something. Oh, it's, it's just me. like a like a, like a thought process skew or something. It's like horrendous. Now, like, okay, so the, the positives then would be like, you know, I think the piano, the way they've done piano throughout the whole record sounds really, really good and there's some really beautiful pieces. I think Sunrise is a track that opens up. I was like, I was like, oh shit, maybe I will actually like this album yeah. when it came on. I was like, this is actually really powerful um, and it's, it gives that theme in a really, really nice way and really kind of makes it really powerful. But then, like, the, there's so many kind of little sections that are really, really nice, kind of ruined by the vocals. Uh, but then the problem is is that it's such a broad theme and they do so much in it and it goes from one end to another that it lacks focus, like, yes, completely, that's, that's, right? That's, uh, you've nailed it, yeah. It 100% lacks focus. There's just too much going on. It's restless. Yeah, um, and it doesn't feel like an album either because it's like you'll have one singular idea, be it like a theme or a sound or something like that, and then it just, that idea stays contained within that song and then suddenly you're into a next song it's completely different again. Yeah. And that's... Which that's is a crime shame for albums because like, you know? there could be an amazing 10, al- ten track album here there could be like yeah and if they just linked them a little bit more and thought like I, I mean like I read um, the Guardian's review and like Alexis Petretis was giving out that like there's a song on here which is a uh, W O T W slash P O T P. The voice note one, the and voice it's memo. Basically, for like phone. a voice memo, and it's like a demo. It is the vo- a voice memo from us. But I didn't mind that being the, what. Like he was like, he was like, why would you put this in? It's not finished. And I was like, that was fine with me. But yeah, I, I actually Kanye would do. But I actually felt like, it, yeah, it's totally. This is this is like Coldplay's Life of Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> the God. the is, you know, it is. Um, it's like. Silver Surfer, like you know, <laughs> but like there's the bit where like like that I actually found very charming. I was like, no, that's fine, that's okay, that's in there because it's like it's coming after Daddy, which by the way, like Daddy, that song uh, is like it is clearly written for dads around the world, and, yeah. and, and there's going to be a lot of people who will cry listen to that song. I, I, it's see, it's I, not a bad song, but, so it, but I, I thought it was just too much. I was I was in a car with uh, Norma Howard. Oh my god, man! And was she like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, this is one of these things where it's like <laughs> I have to be playing this fucking album, and she's like, "What the fuck are you listening to?" And she was like, "This is horrendous." <laughs> and then and then she, she was like, and then of course, fucking on the car screen, it says like "Daddy, Daddy. Coldplay." <laughs> Daddy Coldplay. <laughs> And then she's like, what the fuck are you listening to? And I, I was like, oh, it's just this, this track on the fucking album. Or and you're like, and she, she was like, she was like, is it about his father or something? And I was like, no, it's probably about like an asylum seeker's dad or something. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I was joking. Then I went to the fucking video and it's like the video is a kid in like a life vest. And I was like, you're so literal. Would you stop being so literal? And like, just fucking like try and have a bit of a... Oh, We're all God. the same, man. I mean, I will say this. I give, I give, I give Chris Martin and Coldplay credit for not just trying to although they kind of still do by default by being Coldplay but it didn't feel to me like, that they were being grief tourists and that they were trying to basically like dip a toe into the experience of yeah. a non-white person having struggles because and it's vaguely positive as well which is I important. think that they've made an effort and that's to be lauded and I found are you watching Watchmen at the moment? no actually no it's very good I don't think it's perfect but it is good 
and I'm very impressed by it. A lot of people are very impressed by it. A lot of people are very impressed by Damon Lindelof and his command of it, which is no surprise to me because Leftovers was so fucking good. Mm-hmm. But Watchmen is extremely rooted in the black experience, the oppressed racial black experience. And obviously Damon Lindelof is a white man. And I read an interview this week with one of the writers who is black, and he was talking about the diversity in the writers' room and Brilliant how too. Damon Lindelof has never had a more diverse writers' room in his life, and that was by design. And I'm not saying off-air play white man, but like ultimately, like, if you're a creator... And you're a white creator, like it's good to like actually engage with these yeah, things. Yeah, because you'll get better results, like and to in the correct methods and, and mm-hmm. most respectful ones possible. So while I was listening to this record, I was like, I wonder if Coldplay actually did their fucking work. They did. They actually did. They actually no, they worked. Did. They worked with artists. Uh, yeah, like, there's like, a lot like, of featuring um, artists on of, this of diversity, right. and they appear to actually try and back up what they're trying to say. And they're not just being like, let's go into the studio yeah. amongst the four of us. So, so, yeah, I, I will agree. I, I watched a documentary last night. They're trying. They're not guilty of appropriation, but they but are I, guilty of making crap songs. <laughs> yeah, they're not guilty of appropriation, but they're guilty of making a Coldplay album. <laughs> Which, like, I'm sorry, there's just not much ways around it. I didn't feel like it was an exploitative offensive thing at all it could have been and that's good yeah. but ultimately it's just a Coldplay album I saw someone say like oh like this is actually very elegant like Pitchfork actually gave this a really good review and they were like uh, by Pitchfork standards and people have been saying like this is a really uh, good shot in the arm as Coldplay entered the second phase of their career and I was like the second phase of their career absolutely not I was like what does that mean to me to me, this <laughs> smacks of like a classic thing where you have like a band who are on their eighth album and like you know they're they're, they're just la- lacked like they, they just lack any focus or they feel like they can do whatever they want and like are just kind of like yeah well we may as well do this that's like, what this. I got from their they're last fun album off it, like, you that's know what, what I got from the last album from this one I did feel like they actually had something to say I, I'm just not quite in tune with it there are points when it works totally. I mean, like there's some good runs. You know, it's not an offensive record. Mm. Uh, there's a song called "Champion of the World" that isn't amazing, but it does give credit to Scott Hutchinson, Laser Frightened Rabbit, which I thought was very nice. Yeah, uh, Chris Martin's always been very good about that kind of thing. To be fair, he's a mm-hmm. sensitive soul. He's an odd chap, but I do think he's got a huge heart and is in the right place. Unless it's all an act. No, well, he seems like a great dude. Like, but also, like, sorry, yeah. um, you sent me a thing that I did not watch, which was a parody Coldplay thing. Yeah, they did a skit before the album came out. They're not funny. Like, I'm sorry, guys, no. I'd never, ever add comedy to your album. It was like a press conference or something, wasn't yeah, it? Like, it was yeah, it a press conference with the um, uh, Portlandia comedians. No, just um, no. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I admire the album for existing, but I, it's not going to be... <laughs> It's not going to be in our Put top. That on the box. It's not going to be in our top twenty. I mean, six out of ten. Uh, I can't recommend this to anybody. And I would never <laughs> recommend it to anybody. I'll give it a five. Like, yeah. okay, fair enough. Uh, an album that I do recommend and have recommended already is "Bath Time" by Maya Sophia. Debut record. It came out last week. It's been getting very, very good reviews. It's got five stars in the Irish Times. It's been very well received around the place. Maya is an independent artist, so if you've never heard of her, go check out her album. Yeah, it's, it's a great album. It's fucking excellent. Yeah, and do really, support really good. Her. Like I say, in the studio last week, Craig and I had a long chat with her. She's awesome, and we'll have a listen to the wife of Michael Cleary off the record. And then through the magic of editing, when we return, it'll be myself and Craig having a chat with Maya. Please enjoy that. Searched along the rivers and the mountains and the clouds. 
Delighted to be joined in the encore by Maya Sophia. Hello. Hi. It's <laughs> our customary thing. Hello, yes. how are you? What's the story? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, grand. Yeah, just getting over it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. True. Uh, yeah, so uh, your album's out now, finally, at last. It's called Bath Time. Congrats. It's been a long time coming, in fairness. Uh, how do you feel about every little thing at this moment in time? Um, exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I yeah, I feel like I should be really like ah, I have an album, which I am, but because um, it's been like it's been with me for so long now, I just kind of feel like well, I can be shed of it now. But I actually am also very happy and excited as well. Do you feel like you're kind of uh, a step removed from it at this point? Have you kind of disentangled yourself from the kind of the process and all that, and stepped back and kind of gone, oh, it's its own thing; it can just go and live by itself yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I've been saying to myself or I've been thinking about that recently because I've had to do so much like promoting of it and like putting like constantly being very like here's me and my album and (laughs) that has been making me a bit like anxious and like uh, I don't want to be like exposing myself so much so I've had to be like these are songs this is like a thing that I made but it's not actually like myself it's just like something that I did in the past and I should be like respectful to my past self by giving it the promotion or whatever it deserves, but also being able to remove myself and be like, it, this isn't actually me. I'm not like promoting myself. I'm like exposing a thing that I did, if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> I've had to like square that in my head because it's been a bit like, you've all, I mean, like I know like a lot of artists are independent. It's not a terribly <laughs> unique thing for any artist, but I know that with this one, you've really kind of covered every angle. Like you've written the fucking press release. I mean, you've kind of selected every inch of this. So, I mean, it, it must be an interesting, if perhaps quite irritating, because you did say exhausting, relationship to be like, well, I've written the songs, I've recorded the songs, and now I have to do all the ad mini bits. And from the interviews I've done all year with Irish musicians in particular, it just seems like everyone's kind of like, well, yeah, that's just the job of it. But at the same time, it just sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. I'm really lucky that the label have been doing all of the UK stuff so I haven't had to be like emailing people in England or which is was good that they're doing that no which one has wants been to helpful. be doing that yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no one <laughs> this wants. is trapped animal is it yeah yeah. Okay. yeah and they have been they have been helpful um, but like they're a small label based in the UK so they don't know anyone in Ireland so I've been doing everything here which um, you know it's not my thing <laughs> like it's not like if I wanted to you know work in PR I would have done that but yeah. um yeah, going from, you know, I had to live and make all the songs and write all the songs and then spend like a year recording them all and then organised all the artwork with my friends. Like it, the whole thing has been done with like people doing me favours, like my friends playing on the songs or my friends taking the photographs or like me doing everything myself. So yeah, it's been very DIY. Yeah. And you were, you know, obviously it feels like there's a, a true line or a kind of concept to the record. It's not a concept record, really. It's maybe <laughs> something you discovered later, but you were kind of, you've talked about how you found yourself coming back to uh, a lot of songs being about kind of mar- marginalized women's voices. And that's definitely, it comes through quite strongly on the tracks. Yeah, um, that was completely unintentional. And <laughs> I was trying to think of, you know, I was like thinking about that afterwards when when you know we were writing press a press release or whatever and we were like looking back on all the songs and even when I was recording them I was kind of like realizing that there was a theme that I wasn't initially aware of like I didn't set out to write like a super feminist album yeah 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 um but 
I guess it's something that concerns me. Uh, clearly, it's something I keep coming back to. Um, and I, like, I didn't think I was writing like overtly political songs, but now in hindsight, like so many of the songs were written alongside me campaigning for like the repeal referendum, and yeah, and like that was a really big thing in my life. And a lot of the songs were written concurrently to that, and then. You know, not to be like so zeitgeisty, but the whole Me Too thing happened, and that was obviously in my head a lot. Um, mm. So I didn't, you know, I didn't set out to write something like a post Me Too album. Sorry, yeah, no one yeah. should be doing this, but I am being ironic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it does, I can see now how that was obviously subconsciously filtering into my brain. Yeah, I mean, like doing political songs feels like it might be the hardest thing in the world not to mm. if, if, if like it come across too cliched or heavy handed. But I don't feel like you're you're not kind of on a soapbox. They're narratives. They're like you're yeah. a storyteller first and foremost. Yeah. And then just I guess the themes come true, right? Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely not trying to be preachy. I don't I'm not I don't want to be like ah, look at all these horrible things that happened and men need to pay for this. I, I just, well, <laughs> I mean, they, they do. do. <laughs> they do. But like, reparations, please. But um, like, I, I mean, that's not my intention. I'm just like observing something ra- and narrating something rather than being like, here, I want to implement change because I, I don't think that songs or art are, can really, imp- maybe maybe they can implement political change, but I don't, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that would be nice, but I'm also not trying to do that. Yeah, you're not the new Rage Against the Machine, right? Yeah. But, but who knows? Album, album <laughs> two. Knows album two. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that, like, um, one of the tracks when I first heard the album, uh, one of the tracks actually made me burst into tears. And I was like, Sorry. oh, I'll, I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll, like, I'll ask her which one she thinks it is. And I was like, that's the most like psychopathic game I, I could ever play what? with anybody. Really, really good. <laughs> well, I was just trying to like, like, how, like how, how do I take that like traumatic thing? Not not that it was traumatic, but I had a I had a visceral reaction to Morning in particular. I just thought that oh. that was extremely visceral and I mean ultimately it was very much like while there is that uh, a subject matter which is implicit and, and can't be uh, sidestepped it's like I, I tend to like with music I, I project myself everyone does you know onto a certain thing and you kind of I think you reframe it like you kind of have your own interpretation I remember back when I was in school and I'd write like short stories and I remember like I never liked what I wrote and then I wrote one that I loved mm-hmm. and somebody read it and they thought the ending was something completely different and I, and I was so annoyed because I was like no mm-hmm. no no like that, that's the fucking ending it's black and white and they were like no it's all about interpretation and I learned a valuable lesson that day guys <laughs> but I guess like with this album in particular I found myself stepping into a, on a much different plane of existence because you know not a marginalised woman am I so <laughs> but yeah it did it really hit me for six I thought that song in particular was I could I could fucking see the grains of sand like you oh, know thank you. going through your fingers on it it was like really that's, tough um, but in a great way that's funny because that's the most like explicitly like autobiographical song like a lot of the songs I'm like adopting a story from history or like I'm writing kind of about something abstract but that's the one song that I was like very heartbroken it was like I'm just gonna just gonna write (laughs) write specifically about a specific incident so that's uh, sorry was, for upsetting. No, no, I, 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 like to be honest, I mean, like, ugh, like even the year that's in, I'm doing my end of year thing now, and it's like it's nice to have an emotional reaction to music when you listen to it every week because sometimes it can get a bit rigid. Yeah. But I mean, not to press you too high on, on a personal issue, but I mean, was it a case of I'm not going to write a heartbreak album? This song is the encapsulation of this. I mean, because I feel like you could do the thing of like, well, here's four of them. Milk yeah. it a bit. I'm definitely. 
often very heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I am. Um, I kind of. I think I find it. So sometimes I find it embarrassing to write so explicitly about myself or something. I or not. Not that I think it's embarrassing to write about personal experience or anything like that. Or um, like a lot of my favorite songs are very personal and my favorite writing. But I. I think I get a bit. I think something has been ingrained in me that if I'm writing about myself, it's somehow like narcissistic or like shallow, or which is so stupid. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from, and I wouldn't project that on someone else. But with that song, I just it was a really like a lot of my songs come out in one go, and it's like start to finish, and there's this whole song just kind of falls out of nowhere. But that one, I really I was writing it for a while. I was kind of like writing like little notes on my phone as I was walking home. And then I, and there was just like things that I was like feeling. And then um, I was like trying to write a song and I was like, oh, I have all these weird diary entries. So that song is literally just like singing my diary. <laughs> so, yeah, I do don't you, know. Do you think that feeling about like not putting too much of yourself out there in the songs comes from like, you do feel, it feels like you have a very literary background. So it's almost stems from, you know, written fiction or you feel like your song should be a kind of a transplant of that kind of style, right? Yeah, that's interesting because I, I also, I also write short stories or yeah. uh, like not, not for, I just, I just write for myself or whatever and, and now I'm doing a creative writing class in college which is hilarious because I have to write things for someone else but like <laughs> <laughs> um, like I, I I've been like my whole life I've been writing stories and I it's like a form that I really respect and admire or something and I'm may, yeah maybe like I I like the idea that songs don't have to be non-fiction because like there's always like an assumption that like a song is autobiographical yeah. or a song is like a real thing but it's like why can't a song just be like a short story and also I think when I was a teenager I was obsessed with Sylvia Plath um, and when I went to when I got older and I was like talking to people I was like oh yeah my favourite writer is Sylvia Plath um, people were always like really like sneery because she's they're like oh she's like such a she's always just like writes about herself and I think I like internalised something about like I don't know I, I still think Sylvia Plath's great but, and I don't think there's anything like, wrong with writing about yourself Sylvia Plath's baggage almost yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to be not taken seriously if I'm just writing about myself and I, I think a lot of like when women write they're often even like women novelists like I remember when like Sally Rooney was on like the Ryan Tuberty show and he was like um, oh so have you had an affair with a married man and she's like that's just in a novel I wrote <laughs> oh my like, god yeah yeah, know, yeah people always like think or so often women get questioned about their writing and their personal life where I don't know I don't know I, I've gone off the point here no, but. I, mean, I, I think to be fair like I think you're going into an interesting, interesting territory because I mean I, I was thinking about like that recent Lana Del Rey review on NPR oh yeah uh, it was written by a female journalist which may or may not matter I don't know mm-hmm. but I, I, I understand what you're saying and I find myself like I'm not able to get inside the mind of a woman in an mm-hmm. album review or anything like I'm just or in life <laughs> 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 it's certainly not in life yeah I'll say that for the fucking record no problem but like if you find yourself in a in a context of that where you're trying to graph stuff on and project whatever I guess it is dangerous territory if you come at it from that point of view of like but it's like 
I know Lana Del Rey took issue with that write up, and I, I think at one point one of the things she took issue with was saying that you don't understand what it's like. And I remember seeing people comment on this and saying like, this writer has no idea like like what a woman's experience is, despite the fact that the writer mm-hmm. was female. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is one of those things where like through Ryan Tober example is obviously an, an incredibly uh, tabloidy kind mm-hmm. of terrible question, <laughs> but it's it, it's terrifying. I, I I don't know. Like like I've like I, I wouldn't want to try and pivot to such a thing and be like well this is what this definitely means because yeah. I don't have a fucking clue I kind of understood the Lana Del Rey thing to a certain extent because it, it feels like a real what hap- I remember taking Lana's side and that happened but I can't remember what she was essentially were. saying that listen yes my art and my kind of character is kind of a construct and I do enjoy wearing masks and like this authentic thing is kind of bullshit but I, yeah. I feel like it's a sore point for her because when she first came out and she had the 50s kind of you know Hollywood starlet style and yeah. all that kind of stuff I think people immediately dismissed her and were like oh she's just affecting this very superficial Greg's looking at me because no I'm actually not <laughs> no, 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 I did yeah. remember, remember those hot press office days I was yeah. like, oh, how can I forget Greg was like video games is the best song of a generation man it is oh, in fairness it is <laughs> sorry you're just both wrong I mean, like, that's the story from the day but no I guess like, like even the idea of like a construct for any singer songwriter because okay like, so, I mean like I, I remember saying this before and I'll say it to you uh, I, I probably definitely at some point in my life used the phrase female singer songwriter mm-hmm. and I've well, I'm sure I have to I've X that out of my vocabulary mm-hmm. but, and I don't know what that is maybe it's some kind of internalized misogyny i'm gonna leave the room now guys <laughs> goodbye well like yeah i grew up reading like q magazine where once a year they'd have like a women in rock special and be like here are all the good albums by women <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, like that was just the way we we're all raised it was yeah ridiculous. i mean even like it wasn't even that long ago that i was a teenager getting crying offensive it was like the, i don't know it was like the only like it's kind of like just before I had Wi-Fi in my house. I lived like in the middle of nowhere and we didn't get, there was like, it wasn't possible to get Wi-Fi or like phone reception until like years after everyone else. And there was like a corner shop in Hedford that sold Kerrang! And it was like the only kind of like music thing. Um, apart from hot press, lol. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> it always comes back to it. God damn it. That's how we all met. <laughs> um, and yeah, I remember like getting an issue of of crying when I was like 14 or 15. And I wasn't even that into that kind of music. It was just like the only kind of like music outlet I found at the time. And there was like an interview with some awful band. It could have could have been some I can't remember some like all male emo band or something and there was like um an interview with them and they were like asked like what what should women bring to festivals and I was reading this like this is a normal thing to read and I was like I was like oh make sure they like bring a razor to keep their pussies shaved Jesus <laughs> <was> like, Christ <laughs> like that wasn't that long ago that was maybe like 10 years ago yeah like <laughs> Grim. I mean, I guess. It, well, I guess the whole thing is kind of part of a conversation where it's like, how do you correctly, if that's the right fair word, you know, kind of review from that point of view? Maybe it's a case of just like don't fucking mention it. Because I mean, like one thing mm-hmm. about you is that like you write album reviews, which is you know yes, not every not every musician <laughs> does. Uh, you have that journalistic side of you, yeah. and I, I I think with your reviews, they're always written in a very kind of carefully constructed way. You tackle an album review in a totally different way than I would. I tend to just you know dive in head first and try and pick up the pieces afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I quite enjoy the way that you write, though, because I mean, I, I, I find it quite hermetically sealed in a good way. But of course, as a musician as well, I mean, is that a case of like, is it because some people always like are like, oh my god, like review music, like it must be really 
exhausting and it can be I go back to the rigidity earlier on of constantly listening to new music but it can also be exceptionally fun um, I guess in terms of your process like because not a lot of musicians do it because people have this kind of idea of like well you can only do one or the other mm. you're kind of doing both I mean what do you get from yeah, it? Yeah um, well I really love writing like writing is like the thing that I love doing the most and I think this is going to sound really terrible but like I think I love music like I love listening to music more than I love making it and like um I don't I don't know how I got into making music it's not that I don't like it but um I like I I I like writing about music because I I think that it's you know a valid cultural um artifact like it's like a valid thing to be written about and it never like pop music or I mean I I generally write about like pop or like slightly left of pop music or whatever but still you know pop music mm. but like it doesn't get taken it doesn't it never gets written about critically really in the same way that like visual art or literature gets written about as like high art or whatever whereas like pop music is actually an incredibly valid and intellectual art form um that i don't know i think it's important to think about it from an intellectual point of view in the same way that you think about like contemporary art or you know poetry or whatever else or film when you're making music then do you find it kind of hard to get out of your own way sometimes are you kind of almost narrating what you assume another music critic might be you know just how another music critic might be describing your music or what was going on or Um, what context it fits into does that kind of invade your thoughts sometimes no not really i am it's like i just switch off um i switch off that side of my brain like there's like there's two different parts of my brain that like I I'll go I'll pick up my guitar and it's kind of like um it's like uh, a completely instinctual instinctual is that word instinctive yeah. <laughs> process where it's just like see what happens I like write things in my journal or like from notes on my phone or whatever and just um it's very automatic and and instinctive um whereas like I and I'm not thinking about as soon as I start thinking about what other people might think of something it's I'm not able to finish I need to stop like I I'll just I'll just self-criticize and I'll be like oh well this is shit and then I'm just put my guitar down I'm not going to do it anymore but um uh, I guess my maybe I'm I have good practice with switching that brain around because um like I study English in like academically so I'm like writing critically about like novels and fiction yeah. or whatever but i also like switch my brain into like writing stories and not thinking about how somebody yeah. would interpret yeah. it i don't know it's just occupying other parts of your brain but i do think they feed into each other like subconsciously like if you're thinking critically about things like there's probably something subconscious that feeds into the writing like the creative writing maybe or maybe it just makes it really wanky I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well i guess like lastly on the record um i guess like how important are aesthetics to you because i mean there's a I, I first kind of heard it i mean i think it's always been present but i first kind of heard it on flowers at the start of the year when mm-hmm. came, i think it was and like it's definitely like a, a, a tone on the record that kind of shoegazy thing that kind of um i love it it's right up my street it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good it's fucking gorgeous like um i mean like how important was it to kind of I guess dress the record. Um uh that's a good question. I don't know. I I had been when I was recording Flowers, I had been listening to 
like complete nothing but like Phil Spector and Motown and just loads of like 60s music so I was like mm, I'm gonna produce this properly and actually I recorded it somewhere around here in a studio that was around here. anyway um and I was and this producer offered to work with me who was really into like you know like producing and like making like a a pop thing and I was like oh why not I'll do a full band yeah, whatever yeah. let's do loads of weird effects and that was really fun but I um even though I respect that song and I respect the self that made that song I don't um I don't feel very connected to the recording or I don't know, like shit on my own music but like <laughs> I don't like I don't um after that I was like ah, oh, I'm not interested in making like a big um processed pop thing no, not that that song is even that poppy but whatever and then when I went to record with Chris Sparry who recorded the album like I was listening to like weird like home recordings of like old folk singers in people's kitchen and I was just thinking purely about songs just like yeah. like I was just you know there's a website called the Song Collectors Collective it's just people that go around to like old ladies in the countryside who like know all these folk songs that are like dying out and they like record them on their phones and I was literally just like listening to the songs and being like oh wow like this song is this just like a person's voice recorded through a phone and it's still so powerful so if the songs are really good I don't really I'm not I don't care about the production but which isn't say I don't either because I had a really fun time in the studio producing but I, I guess when I was recording I was listening to the Velvet Underground and Nico album a lot which is very kind of unproduced so, and sparse, yeah. yeah but it's so, kind of thrilling as well because it's yeah, so elemental I guess like, yeah, yeah I love that album and I love the way it feels kind of like it was made in a bedroom or something yeah, so yeah. yeah that was I don't know I don't know if that answered your question but ah, I mean <laughs> listen I, I ask very non-questiony questions well so. I, I guess I like <laughs> I like uh, aesthetically I like things that feel a little bit rough around the edges and unfinished and yeah all right. Well, on that note, one more time for the album "Bad Time," which is out now. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Congratulations for me. Yeah, congrats. Well done, and thank, thank you for coming and talking to us, Maya. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks again to Maya for coming in. If you want to go to the album launch for Bath Time, it takes place in Dublin at the Sound House on the 6th of December. And tickets, I believe, are 12 euro for that one. So go along. She's great live. Thanks again for coming in, Maya. Up next, and finally this week, it's Songs of the Week. My least favorite section of the show. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be honest. Uh, but fuck it. Like this, especially big, at this time of year when there's fuck. Uh, all I, I said this to somebody like like again, and I know like wow, wow, wow. My diamond shoes are too tight. But like, ultimately, I'm so ready to pull the shutters down on new music for the year. Like, <laughs> like I'm just ready for it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just like I've heard enough. <laughs> let's get to the end of the year. But let's welcome back a heavy hitter in the world of music. His name is The Weekend, <laughs> and this track is called Heartless. Never need a bitch, I'm what a bitch need Trying to find the one that can fix me I've been dodging death in the six speed Amphetamine got my stomach feeling sickly I 
Not a cover of the Kanye West classic of the same name, but rather just another weekend song. Completely and utterly by the numbers, exactly the weekend song. I used to worship this guy. So depressing, right? What happened? So depressing. And like he, he almost, he's judging washed. by the lyrics and stuff, there's this weird like, he's like, oh, you know, like I got called out and kind of, did he get cancelled? I don't know. But he got called out for a load of different stuff. But like, essentially now he's kind of like going for this thing. It was like, yeah, I'm the fucking bad boy now. I'm like, grand. I'm like, and, and like I'm heartless. So he has this like kind of sad, like running through the club thing. But like at the end of the day, there is literally nothing new about this this track at all like it's completely banal like he's ran out of room so hard like I mean it's crazy he put out that record last year which was like a six track record and I thought Call Out My Name was a legitimately great weekend song because it fit in with stuff off Trilogy and that kind of stuff and it was that kind of it was the hills that kind of bridge of when he was becoming the pop star guy he's just lost it he's just lost the ability to be interesting all of his songs sound the same now yeah and it just sounds like he's nothing to say no he has he has nothing to say and it's a terrible shame because even with this one I was like okay cool it's got a bit of pulse to it it's got an alright beat and blah 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 why does it exist there's another song coming and, I, and, and this just sums the weekend up right now because it was like the weekend teases forthcoming song I think it's called Burning Lights or Bright Lights or something and it was like on Mercedes commercial and I was like yeah of course he does because that's all it is now is like right, so it's a downward spiral then I mean where's my guy where's my guy who put out fucking some incredible records at the start of the decade and just had this incredible command even when like Beauty Behind the Madness came out which kind of marks the transition there's still some belters on there yeah but man I, I, if you had told me that by the end of the decade I'd be like I would want the weekend to just go away yeah I'd be like what are you talking about man he's great I thought he, at one point I was like this is the guy this is the guy. I, I thought he was as well. Like, he was such an answer to kind of like, you know, there was a lot of stories going around that he had given like a whole pile of melodies and lyrics and stuff to Drake's Take Care. And then, you know, from a kind of a production standpoint and how he sounds and everything, he was the answer to fucking Chris Rock getting out of here and having him replace him as like this fucking, like, this great hope, like, but uh, oh my god! Look, we'll always have house balloons. Thank God. <laughs> Up next, your choice, Dahi. Who's this? Uh, yeah, this is JF Dior, um, uh, and this is a track called "My Work." So I'm surprised that we haven't talked about JFDR on the podcast before. I've we have, have we? I don't, think <laughs> I don't. I actually don't think we have. Uh, JFDR is an artist from Iceland. She's um, a really, really good multi-instrumentalist and a vocalist. Um, she's a lot of ties to Ireland, actually. She plays a lot here um, and has filmed a couple of music videos here as well. And um, yeah, amazing artist. You might know her voice as well from acts like Samaris or Pascal Pinion. Um, she's also on a low roar track on Death Stranding. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, that track Bones. Um, she's the female vocalist on that. Um, she's been releasing music for like a good few years now under JFDR. It's kind of considered her like solo 
project I would guess um, she had a really really amazing album in 2017 called Brazil um, which was really really nice uh, more recently she released a really amazing track uh, a month or two ago um, called Taking a Part of Me um, and that song was paired with a video which I think if you want to find out about um, JFDR that video is the thing you should watch it's kind of it's a really really good example of showing how much of a star she is she's like a real in my opinion like a Bjork level star um, and she comes across she's such a huge amount of character uh, and is amazing live um, this track My Work has been a track that she's played live a lot I've been to a good few of her shows and it's one of the kind of the fan favourites kind of thing um, really really amazing very very nice track um, the guitar kind of has this like lovely kind of almost like a Peter Broderick vibe to it it's kind of very intimate and very close um, and then it like slowly builds up in intensity which is really nice and she has an album out uh, next year in March so you should check that out the music just does not stop Dai. it just doesn't stop <laughs> never ending I like the song yeah I was worried that like maybe like any kind of Bjork comparisons would seem kind of obvious and reductive but yeah. it's there and no I did, definitely I did apparently Bjork is a fan that's a big oh, okay yeah, yeah. Man, imagine Bjork being a fan I know, of right? you yeah. I'd be like that's intimidating yeah scary stuff <laughs> um, playing Dublin tonight I believe or at least on the night that we're recording this episode oh she might be actually yeah I think so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't even realise that uh, yeah I enjoyed this song and that's kind of all I have to say about it it's a good song you so. should listen to the rest of the, the Brazil is a great record if anybody is enjoying this kind of thing you should okay, it I'll give it a go and finally this week another track I have chosen the return of Corner Shop This song is called No Rock Save in Roll, which is the actual title of the song. Um, Corner Shop, a lot more to this band than just Brimful of Asha. In my mind, one of the most underrated bands in the world. Uh, Really, really, uh, I guess, versatile, I would say. Um, Songwriters, very... Mixing Indian music with rock music, like, people don't really do it incredibly well apart from Corner Shop. They're fucking great. I mean, like, they're kind of one of those bands that will just, like, everyone will know who they are, but they will never have that kind of, at least in a mainstream capacity, that kind of widespread thing. Their delivery is so cool, like... This song is uh, very reminiscent of one of their songs from years ago, which has a phenomenal title, which is Lessons Learned from Rocky 1 to Rocky 3, which is a great little song and it reminds me of a splice of that and Oil Money off Tan and Felix's rom-com nice. that kind of dirty guitar thing going yeah. on and that kind of swagger that kind of kind of cool little narrative so because it reminded me so much of lessons learned from Rocky Run to Rocky 3 I wasn't blown away by this because I was like you're kind of treading old water here but yeah. it's still very good I think they're really good at what they do however it's nowhere near like for example like when I say like they're an underrated band I'm thinking about songs like 6am to Lunder Share yeah, which to yeah, me yeah. is one of an, all, an all-time great song by anybody yeah. Spectrum mornings like when this band come off the fucking leash and pull it together that way they're they weave absolute magic this is fine kind of box ticking yeah i mean the, the thing the thing that, that my real takeaway from this as well is that like my favorite thing about corner shop is is the kind of the indian references and stuff in there like it kind of really sets them apart and kind of adds such an amount of character i think this track is probably a bit too down the line and doesn't have enough of that it is quite down the line which is why i was kind of even surprised that it was a thing yeah um, like, like it yeah. Like, it's pleasant I'll, I'll never turn off a corner shop song because i because i really fucking like them but it's for them it's a bit basic 
Yeah, there's a new record coming out next year. There is indeed, yeah. Um, a lot of stuff coming. Selena Gomez announced her new album. Oh, we got a Wolf Parade album coming next year. Oh my god! Tell you, man, they're playing Ireland again. I was thinking about this. Uh, they're playing Ireland again next year. Wolf Parade are, and it'll be my sixth time ever seeing them. Oh my god! So that might actually knock picture this off their five time perch <laughs> at last. <laughs> All right, that was songs of the week, and that's pretty much the episode. What else have you been listening to, man? Uh, what else have I been listening to? Um, it's a lot of low roar for me. Since, yeah, uh, I've listened since to Death a load of low roar. Uh, hang on a sec now. Give me sorry. Give me two you seconds. You take your time. I'll just, uh, actually I'll open just up my rock recent. this mic over here. Yeah, keep me. Keep How me y'all doing out there? Um, sorry, I, was, I watched um, Inherent Vice last night, uh, and uh, there is a couple of really amazing tracks on that, including Can, who are really really amazing. Uh, had a few tracks on that that were really really good I've been listening to a lot of Vitamin C from Can um, and Johnny Greenwood did the uh, the soundtrack to that which has been really really good hmm. um, yeah that's what I've been listening to I've been starting to try and compile my best of the year stuff so I'm just trying to put that back in oh, however gosh, I went so much work to do <laughs> I went back but I went back to two of the records that featured in our top five of 2018 I went back to both Singularity by John Hopkins <sighs> what an album magnificent incredible um, and it was this close to winning our album of the year last year yeah. but I also went back to the winner from last year which was Young Father's Coco Sugar. What a special band. Do you, do you still stand by that winner? I do, but you, you know, I do, but I can see... Let's, let's not do this now. <laughs> <laughs> like <you're, laughs> fuck off. <laughs> it was a worthy winner and a worthy silver medal. They're both amazing. They're both incredible. I mean, have, both why great. can't I have both? Um, so I remember like around the start of the year, I think I went on Twitter and I said, all I want for Christmas is a new girl you band. Teeth. No. <laughs> all I want for Christmas is a new girl band album. So I'm going to do it again in January and say all I want for Christmas is a new Young Fathers album. I really want a new it'd Young Fathers pretty, album. It'd be pretty likely that she'll get you. I don't know. I mean, it's been, it hasn't been that long since the last one. They're just a band that I really want to hear again because they're yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. Okay, so to play us out this week, Merle of Recent Ghana Family fame, mm-hmm. he's put out a record of his own. Yeah, called, he says it's an EP, uh, but it feels like an album. It's 11 right? songs. Like, it's, yeah, he said, like, I think it's being marketed as an EP, but like, it's also kind of like, hey, I've done this thing, here it is. Yeah. Um, it's called The Intangibles. It came out last Friday. And a lot of people um, have been saying that actually it's fucking amazing. I mean, which is no surprise. Because it's really important that, that people know that Morley is prolific as fuck. It's insane. Like, like yeah. And it, like, as a producer, he has like gone from strength to strength in the last couple of years. I've heard some stuff that hasn't been released, and like, my god, like, what, talk about a dude who is like so driven to do this thing. Um, absolutely amazing artist incredible yeah I mean like we talked to God Knows back in April when he was putting out his first solos kind of stuff yeah and, and he was he was going like man this is the dude well <laughs> completely yeah I mean like he's very much like it's such a privilege for me to work with this guy mm-hmm. like they're kind of best mates but like and like yeah. Bruce and Gunner family as a collective are astonishingly great we know this I yeah. saw someone today say like if they're kind of underrated and like I would, I'd almost go along with that like they're just like such a fucking force so yeah I mean but it's that thing of like it's just like oh yeah this came out of nowhere and it's brilliant because of course it is so mm-hmm. the track that you pick is called yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, with God knows on it as well, and a couple of other people. Um, like to be honest, like this is just one out of the selection of tracks that like you should just listen to the whole thing. It's really really good. There's some really amazing artists on as well. Farah L is on this record as well as Denise Chalia. Um, yeah, it's great. Check it out. All right, the name of that EP slash album again is called The Intangibles by Merle. That will play us out this week. My name is Dave Hanready. His name is Dahio Droni, and we'll talk to you very soon. Woo.
Yeah, I'm complicated. My identity hyphenated. And my skill overestimated. Therefore, my influence is understated. Not exactly what I anticipated when I popped out on this piece of cake. Got some slack in my mom for the king. She raised serve a piece to history for the war he waged on me and my kind. I shall not winch, I will not cry. Once the revenge, I won't ask why. I see the consequences in his eye, guys. And I ain't that guy's but being that guy. The kids be looking up to. Cause I had under my school. There's trouble under my cool. And wisdom under my fool. For I've been frustrated, dedicated, elevated, violated, exalted, degraded, hated, and celebrated. See, not sure if I'm educated or just medicated through books. Often I wanna do more, but doing more gets me bored. Now we play this game for so long, I get the feeling most of us are getting tired of the lives of those we're out of life, crucified by people we glorify. Started seeing the heroes of humankind in the nine we worry, I shut my eye, put me in the cell for killing time, put me on the tip, and he rewind. Up drugs, uh, smiles with frowners, ups with downers. Look at this problem, my uncle. High just to take down a Phillips and put it in a Sony. Seen him do it like so many times, just a passing thought that came to me on the topic of breaking out stereotypes. Watch what we glamorize. Say I'm in it for the fame, not so. Am I in it for the love? Therefore, grew up listening to Ellie, so I'm chugging other speakers. What else can you tell me? What's bumping to rock? I says I heard Lexus say, Ring, 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 ring off me, silly. You must be silly if you think I ain't illy. Really with the smoke, what you think I ain't chimney? You see me? Let's get complicated. Now we won't back up, now you pull back up, yeah. but you go back up yeah. Tell the surgeon now we won't shut up, when it gets mad up, then we will stand up yeah. Mark, put yourself on up in your cup, make them throw up Swallow your pride, then make them all go numb Beyond the levels that they think that we on We run the rhythms, the patterns, the seasons are changing We got them, they're worried, peppered and curried, they're mocking this rubbish To think that for hours we covered, our standards were lower, now we push forward Bada, 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 the mic can take, grab the mic and say Chant and MC, let your voice be heard, run, let them see Who, Who's gonna stop us now? All your bones under my fingertips Whenever I'm in the bed alone I can still hear how your breathing skip Whenever you were too drunk to talk I don't wanna be the cameraman Filming your final curtain call I don't wanna walk the empty stage Whenever, whenever lights go out What do you think of a ship sinking? The silence comforts you When you tip up, the bow slips in Beneath the darkened waves So you deep down, I know you wish She was sinking too And I would never reach for you Never reach for you This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.